series to invite people to because uh, we're going to be answering a lot of questions that people are asking out there. So you guys ready for that? Are you guys excited for that? Man, it's going to be great. Uh, y'all ask some good questions. We're going to have fun over the next couple of weeks as we, as we dive into that. But before we get to that, we got to have a service today. And we get to finish up what I started last week. How many of y'all were here last week? Last week, we just kind of tiptoed into a message and ran out of time, and we just had to close it off before we got um, really too terribly deep into it. I was really excited about what God was doing last week, though. If you got your Bibles, open them up to the book of Matthew, or if you got your tablets, whatever, whatever you got, um, go ahead and open those up and get ready to read. Uh, one of the things that we've been doing in this series, though, as it goes on, we've been looking at uh, the church and what Jesus' original intent for the church was, because... You know, if you look at the church across the board, you know, sometimes we're really good at drifting away from the original intent Jesus had for his church. And if we're not careful, we can, we can easily drift away from that model and that, that playbook that he gave us. And so we've been looking at that, what, what his intent was, what the Bible says about it. But one of the things we've been doing is highlighting uh, different people in our church that are serving and doing awesome things to see people reach for the kingdom of God. And we want to share one last person with you this morning. And the dude's name is Tony Dunn. How many of y'all know who Tony Dunn is? Tony Dunn is a great guy. There's some pictures of him that are popping up on the screen there. Tony oversees our media ministry here at, uh, at Eastgate Church. And he's a great guy. He's a Georgia fan, and we love him anyway. He likes the Falcons. That makes a whole lot more sense to me. But we, we tolerate the Georgia stuff. But Tony does a great job. He came into the church because somebody invited him years ago and started attending and got involved back there in the media area and just grew and uh, took on more responsibility. Now he's running the whole show back there and making what we do up here look as cool as possible. Uh, Tony, bro, when I think about you, there's, there's some, a few things that come to mind. Uh, most of them are good, though, so that's always <laughs> encouraging. Uh, but, but when I think about Tony, uh, I think of faithfulness. The dude is faithful. He is a faithful guy. He has worked through um, issue after issue. You guys had a lot of health issues, a lot of deaths in the family, a lot of job obstacles that he's overcome over the last couple of years. And uh, the dude is faithful. He always shows up. He always does what he's responsible for doing. The guy follows through. And, dude, I just want to tell you, thank you for your service. Thank you for what you do. This church loves you. Thank God for you, Beth. Good job. Matthew chapter 16, starting at verse 18. We went over this last week, and I kind of want to rehash and go back and, and overview some things before we get into the meat of what we're talking about this morning. If you weren't here last week and you didn't get to catch the message on, on the podcast, I encourage you, go back. Go back and listen to that message and, uh, and, and kind of play some catch-up on what we're talking about today because some of this, I don't want you to feel like you're left in the dark on, but a lot of what we did last week was laying the foundation for what we're talking about this week. Matthew 16, verse 18. This is Jesus talking to um, his disciples basically pre-launching the church. He says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Whose church is it? It's Jesus' church. He established the church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. 
Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, the word that Jesus uses here for church, we, we're pretty comfortable with the word church, but um, Jesus wasn't using the word church here like we would use it today. We talked about this last week. The word that Jesus uses here is a word called ecclesia. Ecclesia um, sounds kind of fancy, but it's just a word that means that um, you're called out, you're set apart, or it's a set-apart assembly. We talked about this last week. The cool thing about this is that it wasn't just that we're called out as a church or set apart as a church or that we're not just a set-apart assembly as his church in the world, not of the world kind of thing. But what Jesus is using here was a common term in his day, and it was a governmental term. An ecclesia in that day was a group of men that was called out to represent the government. They were, they were set apart to implement and execute the rulings of the king and, and implement the laws that the government and the king or the emperor of the day established. It was a governmental term. And what Jesus was saying was that I'm going to establish my kingdom. I'm going to establish my authority. And you guys are going to represent me on this earth as my ecclesia. So whatever I set into motion, you guys are going to execute on this earth as, move, as you move my kingdom forward. Make sense? So that's what Jesus was saying. And then he said, I'll hand you the keys of the kingdom. It's a transfer of authority and power that was happening there. Because God's intent for us as his children was to always operate under his authority and implement his authority on the earth as a reflection of who he is through our lives. Make sense? So that's what he was doing. And we talked about a couple of things last week. One of the big principles we talked about last week was um, as, it, as it pertains to spiritual authority and spiritual power um, that the church operates in, whether it's positional authority um, that we're operating in as we're overseeing or involved in something in the church or in, that, in, in uh, the potential or the power um, that we operate in and the authority that we operate in um, operationally on this earth. There's a principle that Jesus set out. It's all over Scripture, and it's simple. It's just you got to give up to go up. We talked about this last week. you got to give up to go up. You have to move a little bit further from yourself to get a little bit closer to God. And if you want to be involved in ministry or 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 climb the ladder of leadership in the church, the principles in place that you have to give up um, a little bit of freedom, a little bit of right, and you have to pick up some servanthood to be able to move forward. And to do that, you got to give up to go up. Everybody say give up, give up. to go up. you got to give up to go up. You have to lay some stuff down in order to move forward. And, and one of the things we talked about last week was that how biblical authority requires that, um, that as you move up, you increase your servanthood, and you give up your rights. You have to give up in order to go up. You have to move away from who you were to move closer to who God has called you to be in order to do that. Another thing that we talked about last week was that, that how, how to operate in spiritual authority in your life. You, you have to grow your relationship with God, and you have to give up spiritual infancy. That's a fancy way of saying we got to grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, you got to grow up. You got to grow up. There's a process of growth that we have to go through as children of God. There's a process of growth that he's called us to as, as his children. You got to give up to grow up. You got to give up to grow up. Um, this is a big deal 
in church today? Because a lot of us get in the doors and a lot of us give our lives over to Jesus, but not a lot of us, and when I say a lot of us, we're not talking about us in here, I'm talking about us, church, universal, you know. We get comfortable and we don't continue the process of growth and maturity that God has called us to. And so we cap out a little bit. We, we, we grow to the point of our comfort and then we don't really go further, you know. And that puts a big kink in the plan that God has for our lives because he's called us to a process of continual growth. And if you want to continue to grow and mature and operate in more spiritual power in your life and operate in the fullness of the authority that he's made available to you, you've got to continue in that process of growth. If I wanted to work out, and get buff and stuff. Well, let's just say this, somebody wanted to work out and get buff and stuff. It's the new year. They, they started new goals, new, new, new year's resolution. I'm going to get down to 5% body fat. This is going to be the year. I know last year was supposed to be my year, and it didn't work out. But this year is going to be my year to do it. And I know the year before that didn't work out. But this year is going to be the year that I finally get down to 5% body fat, and this is going to be awesome. So this guy goes out, and he buys all the supplements that he needs. He, gets, he goes to GNC and buys the stuff. He hops on Amazon, and he gets, he got protein powder. He's got metabolic enhancers. He's got recovery powder that he can take. He, he's, got, he's bought all the supplements that he needs for his workout. And he goes and he gets a membership to a gym, and he's got membership lined up. And, and he goes ahead and he buys a treadmill, and he puts it in his house for the days that he's not going to be able to make it to the gym just so he's got a plan B and he can do cardio. He's set up and got everything he needs. One month goes by, no results. Two months go by, three months. Four months go by, no results. And the guy's like, what in the world is going on? I got all this stuff, and I'm not seeing any results from it. So he goes and he gets a personal trainer so he can have some accountability, so he can get somebody to encourage him and just, come on, you can do it, you can do it, you know, push him pushing through some stuff. So he, he pays for a personal trainer and gets all that set up. A month goes by, no results. Two months go by, no results. Three months go by, no results. Four, same thing. Six months go by, no results at all. In fact, the dude's actually gained 10 pounds over the last six months. And he's like, what in the world is going on with this? So he picks up the phone and he calls his personal trainer and he's like, bro, you're fired. I'm paying you to help me through this, and I've gained 10 pounds. I, I got the membership to the gym. I've got all this stuff. I've got everything I'm supposed to have. None of it's working. And the personal trainer asked him this question. He says, well, okay, that's cool. Um, but I noticed I hadn't seen you at the gym. Are you working out? And the guy says, no. And the personal trainer says, well, how in the world do you expect to see results? If you're not working out. Makes sense, right? You got to work out. You got to go through the process if you want to see the results. Okay? Now flip that over to church world. Because as a pastor who's doing this, who's been doing this for a long time, this is what I see happening in people's lives 
all the time. Okay? People complain about not seeing the results they want to see in their walk with God or not seeing the results they expected to see from coming to church. And so, so they, they go and they buy the new Bible and, and they get the membership at the church. And, and so they, they get people, they, get, they don't have a personal trainer per se, but they go and they get people to hold them accountable and to encourage them. And they try to set up meetings with leaders and with the pastors. And six months go by and a year goes by and they're still dealing with the same issues that they were dealing with when they walked in the doors of the church and they're not feeling any closer to God. And, and they're not feeling the presence of God like other, they hear other people talking about experiencing. And they're like, what is the deal? This stuff doesn't work. This stuff doesn't work. I've been doing this for years, and I haven't seen any change in me. And my question to them all the time is this. Hey, are you working out? Because if you're not working out, don't expect to see the results. How do you work out? Are you spending time reading the Bible? Well, see, it always comes down to just a few things. Are you doing things to grow your relationship with God? And most people don't. And this is why most people struggle with the same stuff over and over again. Over and over again. And guys, we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. Are you reading your Bible? That's the workout. Are you spending time in prayer? That's the workout. Are you connecting to God? Are you allowing time for His presence to work in your heart because that's where the change is going to take place and if you're not setting aside time for God to do the work in your heart listen guys you're not going to be able to make it happen on your own because if we could have made it happen on our own Jesus wouldn't have had to come to die for each and every one of us to set us free from that sin we're good at jacking stuff up on our own it takes Jesus to set us free it takes Jesus to do the work in our hearts and so when people come to me frustrated and say this stuff isn't working it's not that the stuff isn't working it's just you're not working the stuff you're not putting in the time or the work and it's a process of growth that we're supposed to be in as Christians to move past infancy into spiritual maturity. Now, this is huge as it pertains to our spiritual authority, okay? Because if we don't spend time with God, we are never going to experience the freedom that he died for us to have. We're going to keep going back to the same stuff over and over and over again. And we're never going to see God's power operate in and through our lives the way he intends for it to. There's a process of growth. We've got to give up to go up. Say give up to go up. And Paul said this good in Galatians. Put that, that verse up there in Galatians chapter 2. Um, he said, listen, I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, listen, this guy right here is not about him anymore. It's not about me anymore. It's about what God has called me to do. Paul put in the works what he's saying. I've got to lay down myself to become who God has called me to be. Now, this is powerful because this is where most People miss it. Most people miss it in their walk with God. Most more people miss out on seeing God do powerful things in and through their lives because we don't get this right. Because we, we kind of throw things in into into 
into autopilot spiritually and, and we're not actively pursuing that growth. We talked about this last week and I want to break this down again because it comes down to a process of growth and it, says, it starts with holiness. It starts with holiness. Holiness, when done right, opens up the door for us to grow in our spiritual sensitivity. And as we grow in our spiritual sensitivity and the leading of the Spirit of God, then we begin to operate more under His anointing and presence, and we begin to see the gifts of the Spirit of God in operation in our lives. Now, that just sounded real churchy. That just sounded really churchy. But this right here, if we get this, will change the whole game in our walk with God. When I say holiness, in your minds, probably... With, with the people in here, probably as many different pictures and scenarios popped into our mind as we have different people in this room. Because we've all had different backgrounds in church world or in our personal lives. And so holiness to us. See, the church has jacked this up a lot in the past. Uh, for some of us, when we think holiness, we picture a lady in a dress down to her ankles with no makeup on. That's not the kind of holy that God's talking about. That's when you walk in and you see a lady with a dress down to there and her hair fixed a certain way, no makeup on. You walk in and you go, holy. But that's not the holy that God's wanting. All right, put some makeup on. Make that stuff work, ladies. Do whatever you want to do. That's not, that's not what he sees. Y'all don't know whether y'all should laugh or not at that. You can laugh at that. You can laugh at that. But the holiness is this. Holiness is the process of us. Getting rid of the things that are going to hinder our walk with God so that we can become more like Him. It's getting rid of that old stuff so that we can become more like Him. Now, how many of you would say, I want to be more like Jesus? Oh, God, sign me up for that. I want to be more like Jesus. Am I? Not where I want to be? Nah. But am I getting closer every day? Absolutely. I want to be like him. But if I'm going to be like him, then there's a process that I have to go through. It's called holiness, where I get rid of my old tendencies and my old habits and the things that distract me and the things that would pull me away from becoming more like him. It's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's not about jumping through some kind of hoops when, and making sure that we're qualified by the laws of Scripture. It, it is, it's birthed out of a desire to be more like him. That's the motivation of it. So if I want to live a life of holiness, it's that I am trying my best to become more like him and less like the messed up person that I was before he did a work in my heart. That is the whole heart and process of holiness. And as I do that, and as I take this step on a spiritual journey that I'm on, I get a little bit further from who I used to be, and I get a little bit closer to who he's called me to be. And he does this work in you through that process as you get closer to him. He changes your heart from the inside out. Okay? So it's not about you trying to make yourself holy. It's about you getting closer to God and him changing you and leading you in a process of sanctification and holiness as you get closer to him. From the inside out, he changes your heart and he changes your desires. Isn't God so awesome? He said, I just don't want to make you have to go through an act of discipline. I want to help motivate you through that process of change, and that's what he does. Now, what we like to do is we like to put 
our brand on what holiness looks like. And we like to tell people, well, you got to look like this, or you got to look like that, or you got to act like this, or you got to act like that, or you can't watch this kind of movie, you can only watch these kind of movies. You know, you can't listen to that kind of music, you can only listen to this kind of music. And, man, we got to be careful with stuff like that, okay? We've got to let people grow in their walk with God as they grow in their walk with God, and let Him move in their hearts, and let Him draw them closer to Himself. I think the church has pushed more people away over the years because of this issue right here of holiness than anything else and we've churched up legalism and we've shouted about it and I think it's broken the heart of God because when he looks down all he sees is the same spirit that he saw in the Pharisees gotta let people grow not everybody's on the same level spiritually what what might what might um bother me and my walk with God right here at the beginning of my journey is going to look completely different than what's going to bother me 20 steps down there because the closer you get to God you're going to find out that the less it takes to offend him because you're closer to him and you know more and you're accountable for more but right here it's a different ball game it's a different ball game so we've got to be careful that we're encouraging people to grow in God and not setting up hoops for them to jump through so that they become our idea of what a Christian is supposed to look like. Let God work in them. Making sense? Okay, we talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, man, I tell you what, we had, we had a concert here Friday night, and <laughs> we, we, we had some fun. We hosted... Uh, a concert as a venue people rented out part of the space here at the church and I did it on purpose because I wanted to be able to attract a different group of people to the church so that we could begin to build relationships with them and we got them we got a different group of people for sure um, and if you're talking about a spiritual journey if, if this would be the beginning they're probably like out the door over here out in a parking lot somewhere, like way out here, you know, like <laughs> God is not even on their radar, you know. So we, we opened up the doors and, and started this concert, and, and, and people came in, and half of, half of them were, had already got halfway plastered before they showed up. And you can look at their eyes and know they've been smoking some stuff. And they came walking in to the church that was hosting the concert, and uh, man, they were cussing. They were cussing and they were having they were having fun jumping and screaming and, and, and all this stuff and, and one of the bands cussed from the stage and then they were like oh, sorry for cussing in the church because my rule was you guys can come here, have all the fun you want, but I just don't want to hear any cussing from the stage, you know. And so they, they couldn't do that either. Um, but they so they were apologizing for that and people were showing up dressed like you would dress, you know, and, and uh alcohol on their breath we picked up i don't know how many cigarette butts we swept up outside the building in the back back there because uh, they were smoking and i don't know how many beer cans we picked up in the back you know because they were drinking out in the parking lot because we wouldn't let them come in here and and drink um and on the surface level for a church to host something like that there's a certain attitude that would look at that and say, My God, why would you desecrate the house of the Lord in such a way? And I get that. On the other side, though, there's a heart to reach people that know nothing about 
God who haven't even started this process. You know? And so you, in reaching people like that, you have to understand they do what they do because that's where they are. You know? And we do what we do because of where we are. And we can't look down necessarily on what they're doing from where we are because that's where they are. And if we don't find a way to reach them, they're going to die and they're going to go to hell. So we brought, we let them come on in. We had about 70 of them here Friday night. And, buddy, they rocked it out and they had fun. And you know what I was doing the whole time they were here singing and cussing? I didn't jump on the stage and I didn't preach. I was in the back and I was praying. I was praying. I was praying over all of them. And then I would walk around and I'd just talk to them, hang out with them. Out of 70 people, I probably had about 30, 35 good conversations. Not, hey, how you doing, but good conversations with these people. Just throwing out seeds, throwing out lines, trying to catch people and bring them back in, you know. Because, listen, we're never going to reach people if we're constantly looking down on them. Not everybody's going to get saved on a Sunday morning. Not everybody listens to Southern Gospel and drives a pickup truck slow to church on Sunday, okay. We got to reach them where they are. And I praise God. Listen, I, I was picking up beer cans in the parking lot and I was thinking, oh, God. It just hit me. I was like, this is the vision. Guys, this is it right here. We wanted to establish a church that unchurched people would want to come to and have a church that unchurched people would want to attend without diluting the word of God, without compromising the presence of God, but meeting people where they were and loving them into the kingdom of God. And I was picking up beer cans and I was thinking, these guys don't even realize what they did. We got 70 people to show up to a church that would never walk through the doors of the church. And we were able to love on 70 people and give them the heart of God that wouldn't have given us the time of day, but we tricked them into showing up. And we opened up our doors and they came in and they got a little bit of Jesus and the next time we do it they're going to get a little bit more of Jesus and you're going to see them one by one giving their lives over to Jesus not because we're preaching at them but because we're loving them because we realize that us being here in our walk with God doesn't make doesn't put us in a place to look down on people that are here in their walk with God it gives us the responsibility to turn around and encourage them to get where we are to grow into the person that God has called them to be that's holiness. That's spiritual authority. And that's how God has called us to operate. The problem is this, that, that when we don't, when we don't do that, we cap off not just what God can do in us, but what God can do in the church. Because when we're not growing in that process, the devil gets to work. The devil gets to work in a hurry. Satan's goal is to distract us. Satan's goal is to distract us from our authority with complacency and rebellion. That's what he wants to do. He wants to get us comfortable and complacent because he knows that complacency will eventually lead to rebellion against the word of God. Every time complacency will lead to rebellion. Every issue that I deal with in people's lives and help walk them through that becomes a problem in the church or interpersonal issues in the church over the years always comes because somebody got complacent in their walk with God. And they stepped into rebellion against the word of God. They didn't live it, they didn't live it out. They didn't apply it to their lives. Every time, it works like this. And, and, and I get it. I, I, I used to think early on that, you know what, it, it's, this is just me. 
this is just me and, and my walk with God, me and, and what I do. You know, if, 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 if I get complacent in something, is it really going to make a difference in the church? You know, who am I? Am I really that important? You know, if, if, if I don't really worship God, is it really going to impact the worship service? If, if I'm not involved somewhere, is it really going to affect the church and how it operates? You know, if I don't give what I'm supposed to give money in, in the offering because I call this church money, is it really going to make that big of a difference? You know, if I'm not reaching people or you know, if I'm not reading the Bible, is it really going to make that big of a difference for me just to do it? And I'm here to tell you, one person can make a huge difference. Can make a huge difference. How many of y'all have heard of a boat called the Titanic? Heard of the Titanic? Titanic was a big, 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 big boat. Nine hundred feet long. That's three football fields. It was over a hundred feet tall. Over, I think it was a little over eighty thousand tons of steel it took to make that thing. They had three engines to propel it. About 76,000 horsepower to make that thing go. I wish I could figure out how to get 76,000 horsepower into my car. Dude! Man, i go through a set of tires in half a day, man. If I had 76,000 ponies, dude. It's a, it took that to push that boat. Huge boat huge boat over 2200 people got on the titanic to set sail that's a lot of people how many of you know what happened to the titanic yeah it's infamous hit an iceberg bloop, 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 bloop. jack didn't make it he didn't make it and there was room on that stinking boat or, or on, on that on that on that door Dude, there was room on that door. Rose should have scooted over and let Jack on the door. Dude, I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, hashtag mean women. I'm just telling you, she let that dude die. She let, guys, that's why you want to make sure you get a woman of God that loves you. It loves you. So if you're out in that cold water, she's going to move and let there be room on that door for you to scoot on up there. I'm just saying, make sure you got the right one. So, 2,200 people, I don't know where that came from, 2,200 people on this boat hits an iceberg because of this guy right here. His name is David Blair. David Blair. David Blair was the guy that was supposed to be on the Titanic when it set sail. But they did a big change in the crew a couple of days before it was supposed to set sail and they brought in a captain and a first mate from another boat and they demoted the captain and first mate that was on the Titanic and because they did all this moving and shuffling um, David Blair got booted off the boat and reassigned to a different boat now the problem with that is this that one of David's major responsibilities was that he kept a key that looks like this that went to the locker where the binoculars were that the lookout was supposed to use up in the crow's nest to spot things like icebergs. How many of y'all knew that? Isn't that crazy? His job. He took the key with him. 
forgot to bring it back. <laughs> Oops. My bad. My bad. His oversight. His oversight contributed to one of the largest disasters in modern history. Because he was complacent with his responsibility. They were interviewing uh, or doing the investigation after the, after the collision. And the guy who was actually in the crow's nest was one of the few people that survived the accident. And they, they said, hey, did you not see the iceberg out there? And he said, yeah, I saw the iceberg out there. It would have been great if we'd have seen it just a little bit sooner. Because they saw it, and he gave out the call, and the ship started to maneuver around it. But a big ship like that can't turn on a dime. They didn't see it in time, and boom. Over 1,500 people died. 1,500 out of 2,200 died. Jack included. R.I.P. Jack. They died. Get this. Because of a dude that wasn't even on the boat. Now you might think that what we don't do doesn't matter, but it matters. It matters because we got a devil that's constantly trying to sink this ship called the church. Now thank God we got a guarantee from Jesus that says the gates of hell is not going to prevail against us. We got that, but I think a lot of churches miss out on potential, and I think a lot of people miss out on potential because of complacency, compromise in our lives. Check this passage of Scripture out. In Mark 3.24, this is Jesus speaking. He says, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. One of the most sinister things the enemy tries to do is to divide us as a church. And it all starts with our personal compromise. Because it opens up the door for rebellion in our lives. Because if we're not where we're at spiritually, he can have a heyday with us. He can have a heyday with us. And this is where all the problems come from. What kind of problems, Pastor Josh? Well, here's just a few of them real quick before we close this morning. There are problems in the church that we don't have to have. Power grabs in church. You know, if you're operating correctly in your spiritual authority and growing into it as God wants you to, you don't have to try to grab authority or position in the church. Well, if I get to know the right people and I give enough money, then I'll be able to get on the inside group here at the church. And I'll be able to influence how things go. Or maybe I'll get on the board and I'll get to tell pastor what to do. And it'll be awesome. It don't work that way. It don't work that way here. Ever. Shouldn't work that way ever in a biblically correct church. You know how you get on the board of this church? You show up and you serve and you love. And I go and I pray. And every year I go before the Lord and I say, Lord, who do you want to be in this group? And you know what the contributing factors are? It's not finances. I couldn't give a rip what anybody in here gives. Doesn't matter. It's not going to buy you anything in this church. It's not who you know. None of that matters. We don't do politics here. This is not the good old boy church. This is do our best to do it the Bible way, church. That's what we do. You don't have to do that. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to put the people on the board that I feel led to put on the board because I feel like God wants them there. And then at the business meeting, we're all going to vote and say, yes, that's awesome. 
Let's turn them loose and let them serve. Because being on the board of the church isn't a power grab. Listen, you're serving. You don't get to tell the pastor what to do. You get to work with the pastor to lead the church. You get to come alongside the pastor to encourage, to fill in the gaps that I might have in my game to help, to help me with wisdom and guidance as we consider the affairs of the church and what's going on. You know, there's one head of the church, though. It's the pastor as he follows the leading of Jesus. Now, it's not just this church. It should be that way in every church, you know. But because of power grabs, pastors are about to lose their mind because they got a dysfunctional board that's fighting and arguing and this, that, and the other. And it shouldn't be that way ever. If we're growing the way we're supposed to, you'll never see power grabs. You won't see critical spirits. Have you ever seen a critical person ever take responsibility for something? Ever? Boy, they got all the solutions, though, don't they? Boy, if it was me, I'd do this. If it was me, everybody's probably got somebody in their family that's like that. They got the answers to all, like any issue you throw up, they got the answers for it. But they never do anything that to, that's a critical spirit. Gossip and slander. Gossip and slander, if we were growing... That wouldn't exist, ever. And we sure wouldn't have this thing called strange fire. Strange fire comes from my Old Testament reference where people stepped out of place spiritually to make something happen that God didn't intend to happen. And that happens in a lot of churches where people try to hype things up and make things happen so that they seem more spiritual but they're really not. It's just all hype and emotional fervor, you know, seeing stuff like that. Now, there's a difference in getting genuinely excited and seeing an authentic move of God. And, dude, we have services here where the Spirit of God moves powerfully, and we always try to be sensitive to that and let God move in that. But, man, have you ever just seen weird people in church? I mean, really? <laughs> see some weird stuff in church, man. And then service one time, and, and this lady just started... I was looking for the train. You know, there's no train coming by. She's just she's getting into it. Something was happening. Now, there's one thing if God's legitimately moving. I'm not knocking that man. God can move in people and do some powerful stuff. And, and sometimes we respond in ways that aren't always the best to that because we don't know what to do. But there are people that try to make stuff happen when stuff doesn't need to happen. You know? They try to hype stuff up and, and create something. Well, you're having to create something because you're not walking in here with the Spirit of God in you. Trying to create hype and excitement when the presence of God should be dynamic enough to do what the presence of God does. And if we all walk in here having grown and not been beat up and feeling like we have to make something happen, then something authentic and beautiful can happen, you know? Um, strange fire. I could go all day on stories about strange fire. I did some crazy stuff. I saw one dude one time get people in circles in this building, and he just took off running and, and praying, he says, all right, guys, I'm going to transfer an anointing to every one of you. Get ready to receive it. And I watched him run around these circles of people, probably about 10 or 15 people in a circle. He ran around the outside and was going to lay hands on people. But the dude was running full force. And he was just, bam, bam, bam just clocking people, man. And people were dropping just like dominoes. Every time I'm like, what is, are they really getting slain in the spirit? Or is he just cold, just knocking people out in church, you know? He was just brutal, man. You could hear, boom, boom, boom. And I'm sitting in the circle, or I'm sitting in the circle, and I hear the bam, the bam, bam, bam. And I'm thinking, this is going to hurt. 
I don't know if I'm ready for this. So I'm looking for a door to get out, you know. And, and he goes around the circle, and I promise you, bam, 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 just knocking people. And he came to me, and I thought, okay, God, if this is you, then please, bam, hit me so hard. I swear I saw my great, 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 great granddad's dog. He hit me so hard. And then I didn't go down, and then the dude just started pushing a little bit. Look, if God's going to do something, you don't have to push anybody. You know? Uh, when I read the Bible, Jesus just spoke a word, and people would just drop and hit the ground. You know, the Spirit of God would overwhelm them. You know? I was the only person standing in that gym, barely, because it hit me pretty hard. You know? But it's easy to get caught up in the hype and the strange fire stuff, man. And I never want that to happen here at this church. If God moves, I want it to be because God moves, not because we try to make something happen. You know, um, and if we're growing the way that we should, then we'll never have that problem ever. Operating in spiritual authority is a big deal. Because operating in spiritual authority is about us stepping into our calling and potential in Christ. Have you ever read the Bible and read the book of Acts and you see these people praying for people and, and see them getting healed and thought, Man, I wonder if that could be me one day. Or you read the stories about God doing so much through so many people in the New Testament church. And the New Testament church is moving like a huge wave across the world and seeing so many lives impacted and changed. I thought, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we could see that again? The book of Acts, listen. There's, there's no period there meaning that it all stops and it ends right there. The New Testament church that was launched is still in operation today. That's you and that's me. Jesus said, because I'm going to go to my Father in heaven, he said that we would do greater things than the things that he did. And think about that for a second. Jesus did some awesome stuff. He raised the dead. Blind eyes were open. Deaf ears were open. He, he walked into situations and spoke the solution. And mount, he, he moved spiritual mountains. He said, you guys are going to do greater things than this. Because I am transferring the keys of the kingdom to you. I am giving you this authority to walk in. I am giving you this power to walk in. I am giving you this spiritual dynamic in your life. And if you will just walk through the process of holiness and step away from the distraction and the clutter of this world and become less like who you used to be and allow me to work in you so you can become more like the person I've called you to be as you grow more sensitive to my spirit, then you're going to begin operate more in the gifts of my spirit everything that you read about in the book of Acts was meant to be an everyday operation for you and for me not just some people in a fairy tale this is what Jesus did this is who he's called us to be as a church. Not just a place where people come together on Sunday because we don't have anything better to do. Or we come limping in here on a Sunday afternoon because we got beat up by life. And we're hoping that we can get one grain of encouragement to get us to go through another day, maybe. We're supposed to walk in here as an army, as his ecclesia, as his government authority. 
operating under his authority, in his authority, seeing that power and operation in our lives, coming here, having wrecked this world for Jesus, seeing his love transform every life that we come into contact with. That's who he's called us to be. Not somebody stuck on step three of a beautiful journey that he so desires us to walk in. He's called us to be more. It's my heart that this church is always a church that listens to God and does what he says. It's my heart that this church is a church, a place where we facilitate the presence of God. It is my heart as a pastor to see each and every one of you not just do just enough to to escape going to hell. I want to see you grow in your potential. I want to see you grow in your giftings. I want to see you grow in your callings. I want to see you become that person that Jesus died for you to be. I want to see you grow into that level of authority and power where the devils run from you, where you can speak the solution, where mountains move in front of you, where you operate and you're doing greater things greater things because that's who he's called us to be as his church my question is today who do you want to be I don't know about you I want to be everything that God has called me to be who do you want to be who do you want to be what level do you want to operate at you don't have to stay in shallow waters you can grow in humans and it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing to see God do beautiful things through your life to impact people a beautiful thing. Everybody stand to your feet as we get ready to close this morning. Everybody do a great big stretch. Great big stretch.